So that's for you. If, if North Bay is your church home, it's, it's very important for you to be a part of it. Uh, if you've received kind of some inside news and some things already, uh, we, you, you kind of know what's being aware of it. But, uh, but like John said, we're, we're looking at it as an opportunity. There's a change we sense coming through our leadership ahead. First of all, I'm not going anywhere. That's not, that's not part of it. But, yeah, uh, you're like, okay, well, yeah. Um, but this is, get that out of the way. But it is some change organizationally. We want to introduce that to you and why and everything. And so, again, more details to come on that. But just be, be here with us on the 30th, a week from tomorrow night. We appreciate that. John and others that are on our church council will be, be sharing about that as, as well. Well, today's pretty exciting. We're going to be starting a new series. But before we do... I want to thank Dwayne. Dwayne's right here. Can we give Dwayne a hand? Last week, last week, Dwayne gave a great message on mayhem. Oh, you got cheering, Dwayne. Way to go. Uh, and, and I listened to it on the way back from California. And like, you know, yeah, there's mayhem, man. And we can, we can relate with that. And again, all that's going on in the world, we're continuing to pray for the conflict in Israel and, and all that's going on. It's great. But what a great message. That was, it was so good and really, you know, sets us up as where we're going to be going here today. And the reason... We were gone. My wife and I are gone. We, we celebrated our daughter got engaged last weekend. You can clap. I'm happy about it. Yes, you can clap. You know, so it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. So I don't know. We got like two weddings and a baby coming in 18 months. My daughter's not expecting. My son and his wife are expecting coming up here in, at Christmas time. So a lot happening in the McAvoy family and everything, but we're here. We're going to continue uh, to be here. And so today, as we start this series called King of Hearts, and we're going to be going through just a wonderful character study, as we'll be introducing that uh, here in the moment. The way we do it, we do it a couple times a year as, as a church, is we have seasons, typically maybe in the fall and sometimes in the spring, is where we not only offer a teaching series on Sunday, we also offer resources throughout the week. Now, all year round, we offer in your program and even online, welcome if you're online with us today, you can grab it digitally, our notes that have small group questions. We offer group questions every single week, if you didn't know that, that we discuss what's here on Sunday and then we talk about it in our groups. Because what we've learned is this, you listen to something in your head and you don't do anything with it when you leave. It's just the way it is, honestly. Maybe a some of you are like, oh no, I, I do something. Some of us do. But what we learn in learning is this, is that when we learn it and then we maybe write it in, you're like, why do we do the fill-ins? You might not even look at it again, but it's your brain connecting truth and principles so that you might live it out. And then what you do is once you take it, then you have it in a, in a small group and you discuss it. So it, it kind of deepens in thought and you get different people's perspectives and, and, and this question is asked and why is this question asked and for you and, and you have opportunity to just really ground truth in you. But additional resource that we try to do twice a year is what we call growth guides. And on the way out today, we want everyone to grab one, and at some point we'll have these online available. But these books, physical books are available, and we would like everyone to take one today. And it, this growth guide is designed as an individual steps to growing your faith. There's a passage of scripture that you'll read, and it's really a week, a week thing where it's not every day, but there's each week, week one, week two, that you, you do the work, talk about what you're learning in your head, in your heart, in your hand. And there's some spiritual practices that you can, again, practicing your faith, right? The best sermon is not the one that's preached, it's the one that's lived. And that's what we're hoping, that you receive, you, you grow in your growth guide personally, you come to a gathering, which is today, 
and then you have a small group that you meet with. So growth, gatherings, and groups, that's the rhythm. Now, we're a little bit behind. We didn't get this book to you quite enough time, but it is, uh, so week one is actually being talked about today. You're like, oh man, so you got two things to catch up. So do week one and week two, and then you'll come together, and then you'll talk about it in your groups about week one if you have a small group this week, and then we'll start week two. So that'll catch you up. So that's your assignment. Do week one and week two in this booklet, and we'll all be doing this and flowing together. And, and you'll get to share in your groups the different the different thoughts that you have. And uh, so we, I, I put this together, the, the, the content curated it, but uh, I want to give Chris, can we give Chris a hand for the design work? Great job, Chris, back there. There's a lot of work. Not only that, he got it printed and cut and everything for us here today. Thank you for that. And on top of that, Chris has been very, very sick and now has some back pain. And I know I'm outing him on his health issues, but I think it's okay, Chris, if you've got a whole congregation here that's going to be praying for you. Can you commit, can you guys, some of you commit to praying for Chris this week? We love you, Chris, and we want to keep you going and keep you healthy, and so prayer would be great for, and really for our entire staff, we appreciate that. So this is great, a great start as we going in this. Now, you look at this, and you're kind of going, are we promoting gambling here, you know, playing with cards and everything, and maybe if you grew up in church, there's literally people uh, grew up in church that a deck of cards was of the devil, okay, literally don't have, because it ties with gambling, so here, let's make sure you know this, I'm not a gambling person, I don't frequent the casino, I don't play even lottery tickets, unless I get one for my birthday, that's happened before, thank you for those, give me a ticket, what do you do, you scratch it, right, well, we split the winnings, I don't know, and so I would say this, though, there has been a weak moment, okay? There has, I have had a weak moment. Now, it wasn't recently, it's not like a double or nothing at Vegas Center building fund. I've never done anything like that. I don't even have access to get the money, so that, that's, that will never happen. But I, I would say that probably, gosh, almost now 20 years ago, when Chris and I were youth pastors, we took a mission trip, a, a, group, a group of students from southern Idaho uh, down to Tijuana. In fact, Dwayne talked about this last week. That's how Dwayne and I met way back several years ago in, in Mexico. But on the way to Mexico, we needed to stop off and sleep and break the trip up. And we decided, again, I was young. We were young in our 20s. We decided the best thing to do to take teenagers to is to stay at the Virgin River Casino in Mesquite, uh, Mesquite uh, Nevada. And there's nothing in the desert except this one-town casino. And it's cheap, you know, cheap motel rooms, cheap steak dinners and the whole thing. And so we did that and, you know, take, get kids out of the casino, had to kick them out and all that. And it was not the greatest thing to do. But I loaded them, we loaded them up in the van and I told my wife, say, hey, I'm going to go pay the bill at the, at the front desk. So I'm in line there and I look, and this is the moment of weakness, I see some slot machines right there. And I had actually some quarters in my pocket. I don't know why, how this changed. And I was like, well, might as well, since I'm waiting there. And so I started playing this, this slot. I don't know if there was a pulling or anything, but I was pushing the button. And, and then you know, I'm putting another one in, another one in. This is stupid. And, but I kept on putting money in there. And, and I, just, I went through about $5 and won nothing. And I was kind of disappointed in it all. But then I thought, oh, my gosh, what if I would have won? What if I kept on winning? And what if I, and they're all waiting in the van for going on a mission trip. 
But I even justify, well, then we could just take this money and we could buy things for the people of Mexico. This would be really, you know, I mean, I was justifying the whole thing, but the $5, and how about the grace of God's good when you lose, okay? Thank you, Lord, that I lost. It didn't affect the trip or anything. But I got back in the, in the van, and she goes, where were you? Like, I'll tell you later, you know. I didn't want them to... <laughs> And then later she goes, you did what? Like, I would say there's a bit of disappointment half the day in my wife that I did that. Anyway, I think it was God's grace that I didn't win. Here's the thing. I'm not a gambling person. It's just because, well, here's the deal. I'm, I'm kind of cheap. You know, I, I don't really like to give money away that way. Um, but the truth is, I don't know how you, if you're a gambling person or not, but sometimes we do feel like life is a gamble. Sometimes we think of life as, you know, there's the unpredictable experiences and challenges and struggles that we face, but the truth is, life isn't the roll of the dice and the luck of the draw. It, it really is, and I hope you realize that, because if you believe in luck, you know, it, it's about, and it's about, life is about chance, that's where fallacies come in. That's where, that's where our challenge comes in, where we just live, live life in fate, whatever happens, happens, right? It's not, a, it's not a great philosophy. We need to be very clear, I think we know this already, is that we, we don't exist by accident. We're not here today because of some cosmic burp that happened billions of years ago, okay? God created us with absolute purpose, and he is, as Chris mentioned earlier, he is sovereign. However, go with me this, he has dealt us a different, each of us a different hand of cards, is that, would you say that's true? Look at the difference in each one of you. Your life experiences, how you were raised, your, your genetic makeup, the, 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 the strength and weaknesses and the characteristics and the different, the different things that sometimes we think are flawed but really are just make us who we are. We're just real human beings and we all have unique DNA that's it's so different. We all have a different hand that we're given to us. Some have given a pretty good hand. Some of us think, well, that could have been a better hand. But whatever it is, we, what we grasp is this, is what we do with it matters. What we do with our hand, and that's where this amazing gift of free will God gives us. He hands it to us and says, here it is. You know, it's kind of the nature and nurture. Here it is, where you've been raised, how you've gone through, and here it is, this free choice. You see, the destiny of our lives is does largely depend on how we play the hand that God has dealt us. And the reason we, it's the, but here's the thing, the reason we don't have a, a paradise that's hanging right here, but we have a cross, points to the fact that it's not about chance, it's about God's purpose and his destiny, and it's all about redemption. It's all about our lives being redeemable, what he wants to do. And so as we talk about not only his sovereignty, we all are going to be talking as we go in this series about choices. And it will come down to which king do we, which king do we serve? Who, who, who's the king? The king of our souls, the king of our lives that we're going to look at. And the best way to look at that, and of course in a lot of the Old Testament, there's a lot of kings to look at. And today we're going to look at and introduce the one that we're going to be looking at. And it's really a character study of the life of David. And we're going to look at the life of David, and we're going to look through hopefully his eyes to see. We're, we're going to study different characteristics in different ways. And, and what's a challenge with David, if you know the story enough, is this, is how could a shepherd boy, a giant killer, giant slayer, a fugitive who became king, who really kind of blew his winnings you know, you know, on a mistress and murdered the mistress' husband, how could he wear this label 
that it was not given by mankind to give. It wasn't someone said it over here. God himself gave David this title, a man after his own heart. How could that be? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. We're going we're to look at the fact that that is no different than us, and God's grace is, is in our lives, that knowing that God's grace is bigger than our shortcomings. Those have one heart devoted for him to be truly the king of our hearts. And so today we, we're going to journey together this. And as we do, though, we're going to prepare us and really kind of work out the backstory of what this is all about that's led to the king, the king that we'll be looking at, the earthly king. But today I want to give this theme throughout is this. And this is the question or really statement of this. Who rules us is the one who reigns in us. Who rules us is the one who reigns in us. Well, who, who's the king of our heart will determine what we do with our life. Where our allegiance goes to, how we live our life is, is largely dependent on who really does rule in, in, our, in our lives. And so as we do this, we're going to give and, and you know, lay a kind of a backstory, a backdrop to leading up to this king, David, that we're going to look at. And it really comes first with looking at a person that came before, one that really set the tone for the nation, as you think of the nation of Israel, we're going to look, at the, look here in a moment. But, it, but I want to talk about some keys to some kingship in our relationship with the king of kings. And so as we come and, and, and focus on kingship, we focus on looking at some kings that we're going to be looking at in this series, we want to go back to kingship. We want to go back to the king, well, of our own hearts. Now, before Israel had an earthly king, they had prophets and they had judges. And these are the people that gave direction, that spoke on God's behalf. But up until this point, God was their king. And they followed people that helped them and guided them, to, but the, the proper kingship was, was, was God himself. But what we find when we get into 1 Samuel, we'll spend a lot of time in 1 Samuel as we go through the series, a little bit of 2 Samuel at the end. What we find is a very interesting, almost a hinge of history that happens for the nation of Israel is found in chapter 8 of 1 Samuel. It's basically what was happening is the people cried out to the chief prophet Samuel, and they said this in, in verse 6, Give us a king to lead us. Give us a king to lead us. When Samuel heard that plea and asking, he was majorly bumped. He was like, what's wrong with me? Am I chopped liver? You guys don't think I, I can't help you with this? Why are you asking for this? And he was losing confidence in his leadership. But God comes along and assures Samuel in verse 7. He says this to him. Listen to all the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected but they have rejected me as their king. God, God was telling Samuel to warn the people. And he basically, when you, when you read it there, he's saying, listen, warn the people of this. If they want me to be their king, know, or, or not be their king, but they want their, an earthly king, know this. They're, they're, they're asking for something here. Because they're going to find a king that's, that they're going to that's going to rule them with an iron fist, that's going to be, sub, they're going to be subservient to him, and they're going to wish they had me back again. <laughs> and, and, and so, but the people, they didn't care. They, they wanted a king. 
This is what it says in verse 20 or 19. It says, but the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us, and they'll go out before us and to fight our battles. Now, I relate with this a little bit, but maybe you were a kid, and maybe your kids have said this, but did you ever do this? You're like, when you're a kid, you go like, oh, I wish I had cool parents, right? Now, my, my parents, I'm an only child, and my parents waited 13 years before they had a kid. I still don't know how, why they waited 13 years, but there's, I never got that story, but there's a lot of couples wait to have children, and so my, my parents were older when I was born, and again, only child, and so my parents just weren't that hip. You know, my parents just weren't, they weren't like trending at any, t- at any moment in time. They were behind in decades, okay? The music they listened to, the, the way they acted, the way they dressed, it was just like, come on, you know? Like, and I remember at times, they're like, I wish my parents were like those parents. I'd go hang out with my friend's house and dad, they, got, they had a boat, they had jet skis. Like, mom, why can't we have jet skis, you know? And they go on vacations, they do these different things. I go to my friends, they got the cool, you know, back then it was Atari, I'm that old, Atari game system for some of you little, you know, Nintendo or whatever. And like, I want to, you know, all they, it's like, you know, why, can't, why, I even, why do we have to drink generic pop? When you're in family growing up, remember Craigmont pop? Everything was generic. They literally didn't have a label. It's just generic pop. Like, just cola. Like, how about Coca-Cola? You know, I just, that's how I grew up. Like, I always, like, and, and that's almost kind of what it was with the nation. Like, why can't we be like other nations? Why can't we be like other kids to get a king? And so God, God is grieved of their rejection. He, but this is what he does. He gives in. Look at verse 22, Samuel 8. It says, listen to them, he says, and give them a king. Listen to them and give them a king. What is God doing here? Is he, is he, is he just kind of going soft? Is he kind of like just tired of their whining and just give it to them? Well, maybe a little bit. He relents. He relents. Well, why would he do that? Well, here's a, here's a truth for us that you can, you can put in here today. It's this. God will give us the king we want in order to lead us to the king we really need. I'm going to think about that a little bit. And you're like, God will give you the king we want in order to lead us to the king we really need. Now, know this. God in his great mercy and grace in our lives, he does protect us from the stupidity of our lives. Okay? He does, if we're going along, and there's a, there's a cliff over there, he'll, he'll somehow supernaturally at times help us avoid going off the edge. He just does. He, you're here today for the testimony of you know, even your stupidity, my stupidity, that we made it this far. But sometimes, and maybe say many times, God says, here's your hand you're going to deal with. You have a choice in what you're going to do with it. What will you choose? Well, we want our own king. We want our own king. We want our own king. That's what we want, God. And God's going, okay, well, let me know how it goes. <laughs> Here you go. And that's really what we face. The power of free choice, the play of the hand we have, will lead to the consequences that are there. And, and there's lessons learned from those consequences. Unfortunately, sometimes the road to those lessons comes a lot longer, right? And what we want sometimes is not really truly what we need. Another thing when I was a kid is um, 
I don't know if my mom initiated this, or maybe I did, or you've done it with your, your family at Christmas time, where gifts are under the tree, and days are, you know, days till Christmas, and you're counting the days, and you're like, oh, mom, I, you know, I, can I open one? Can I open a gift? 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 Well, you get to open up one gift before Christmas. Did anybody have that tradition? You open one gift. A few of us got to do that because we're just whiners, right? We wanted that. And so my mom's like, okay, you can open up a gift. And I'm under the tree looking and shaking it and like that's broken, but no, maybe it's not. What is it? And, you know, and I'm just picking it up. And then I picked up a box. She goes, you don't want that one. Oh, really? I don't want that one, huh? You sure? No, you don't, you're not going to want that. Well, what if I want that gift? Go ahead, open the gift, and you open it up. What would you get? Pajamas. You know, like, how do I play pajamas for the next nine days, okay? Shoot. She knew better, and God knows better. But we're bound and determined. And they were the king. They, the king, their king. We want a king like the other king. Well, well, here's the thing. They had the king of kings. They're the king of kings, the lord of lords, and they're like, but we want to be like the other nations. We want to be, oh, the pagan kings. Oh, you want one of those kings. Okay. Let me ask this question. What kind of king do you want to rule your life? Do you want a king that's all-powerful, all-loving, and all-knowing? Or do you want a king that's convenient, less demanding, kind of can relate with you, can be your friend? And just, we could be chums, and we could, what kind of king do you want? Some of you are like, no, I want God Almighty to be king. Do you really? You know what I'm saying? There, there's a place, what we really want and what we really need can be very, very different in our lives. And I think a lot of us, what kind of king we want, could look at who, who, who we allow to influence our life. Who, who does wear a crown in our, in our, in our lives over us? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a romantic relationship. Maybe it's, maybe it's a person you're married to. Maybe it's a boss that you work for. Maybe it's a, a really influential friend. I'm not saying they can't be good examples, but we know they're not perfect examples. They're not. At the end of the day, if we put all our energies and allegiance in, and who rules and reigns in our life as another person, what we find, we're going to be severely disappointed and we're going to be burned and we're going to be hurt in the process because they're incredibly human. And this next year, God help us as we enter a new election season. Four years comes really quick, by the way. And we're entering in. The question will be is, what allegiance will you be to? Because I tell you, it, if it's allegiance, if, if, it's, if it's putting all your efforts and all your affections and all your hopes and dreams into a human being to serve as a president, to serve as a parent, to serve as a pastor, you are going to be severely, and you and I are going to be severely disappointed. God gave people of Israel what they wanted, and he gave them, in this process, a king just like them. His name was Saul. In verse 17, it says, When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this man I spoke to you about, he will govern my people. So we read there that Samuel anointed him. He blessed him. He crowned him the first human king of the nation of Israel. And then in the next chapter, 1 Samuel, comes this day, the inauguration day. 
and everybody's gathering together. Nations, the, all the 12 tribes, the heads of the 12 tribes come together. All the dignitaries, the pomp and circumstance, the band's there, the press is there. Everybody's ready. Uh, to, everybody's there except one person. Who's missing? Saul, the, the, the king himself to be crowned. And this is what it says in, in 10, 22. It says, then they inquired further of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? And it was the Lord that said this. Yes, he has hid himself among the baggage. Here's this king they wanted. God says, here's the king you're going to get. And what's he doing? He's hiding in a storage closet. What kind of king is that? Like, he was afraid of being the king. This big studly guy that we, he, he poses himself is, is not at all. Here, here's, here's a thought to give you about when calling out for, for what we want as king rather than God's, what want, God wants. Know this, self-centeredness will always keep us on the throne of our own hearts. Self-centeredness will always keep us on the throne of our own hearts. Beth Moore, author, speaker, if you know who she is, wrote a book several years ago just on the heart of King David. It's called A Heart Like This. And she wrote this, self-consciousness constitutes the opposite of God-consciousness. Rather than gradually, I would say gratefully rejoicing in the privilege God was freely extending to him, Saul's concern ran to himself and what others would think of him. It's clear as we're going to look at it in a moment in the actions that Saul takes, that's the case. And I have learned over the years is that in my own personality, I have to be careful with that as well. Sometimes in reluctancy and stepping out, there's times of, yes, of humility, but also pride can get in the way as well. And they go, they go hand in hand a little bit. See, we can say, and sometimes we get called to do something, and there's a level of humility to go, I, 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 I'm not worthy to do it, but if that's the role God has for him, we humbly approach that and do that. Does that make it, not in a humble brag and not anything like that, but you, you approach it that way. It's not always great, like someone comes in and says, you know, they're maybe new to church, and I have this, and if you're new, don't, don't be offended by this, but you're coming in, and someone comes up to them and says, oh, I want you to know I can do blah, blah, blah for you in this church. I'm usually like, whoa, okay, what's your name? And, you know, there, there's a little bit, and then I'll have a conversation. It's like, hey, let's get back together in six months as you're a part of this church for that. I think that's great that you can do that, and there's times, let's talk, have a conversation. There's a trust that's built. On the opposite, sometimes, there's people that are involved in church that, that never really take a step. They're still stuck in the, in the storage closet, and yet God wants to bring an anointing to your life, and you're not willing to step into that because you're self-conscious of that. And that actually is, and don't be, take this too harsh, that actually is a form of pride. See, what I've found in my life is that when I grew up, I was a bit shy. And a friend of mine explained to me, and because I said, well, I'm an introvert. And he goes, no, dude, you're not an introvert. You're a closet extrovert. He, he said this, he said, once people gave value to you and called out the gifts in you, then when you stepped forth and you came out of the closet and became an extrovert, which you are. Because shyness is not a sign of introvert. Introverts, if you're an introvert here, you would say there's like, ah, I don't care what people think of me. <laughs> there's a lot of introverts that think that way. Not everybody does. And for me, I had to move past any kind of pride to step myself up. And I'm not saying whether you're extrovert or introvert, all that matters is there's a fine line of walking, but is it about me and me wearing a crown or is it about God 
be the one to be the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And that's what we find is the, the challenge that Saul find himself. Because it's interesting is this, no matter personalities and people, it says in verse 23 of 1 Samuel 10, it says, they ran out, they brought him out, and this is interesting when they brought him out, like they brought him out, like you gotta go, come on man, you're the king, we need to be king, all right, I'll put the robe and the crown on. It's like reluctancy to be this king, and then it says among them, he was a head taller than any of all the others. And this in verse uh, verse 2 of chapter 9 going back says he was a handsome young man that could be found in Israel nowhere else in Israel he was head taller than anyone else isn't it interesting is how God says okay pick that guy that guy is the the tallest the most good looking and and we do that in our culture if you're tan if you're if you're good looking if you're talented if you just look this way and act this way and we believe these images that are out there and social media has just accentuated it tv everything is is accentuated it in in our lives we got to continually ask this question am i putting more efforts in in keeping my image or improving my character because saul cared about his image very clearly he had to live up to the statue was kind of reluctant to it, and finally, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing. An image mattered to them. Look, look what happens in, in verse 24, 1 Samuel 10. It says, Samuel said to the people, Do you see the man the Lord's chosen? There's no one like him among the people. Then the people shouted, Long live the king! They're like, we like that king. He's a good-looking dude. He's tall. He's awesome. He is the guy. He's the one we want. Here, here's, here's, some, here's a thought, maybe challenge you, challenge us all with. When God gave them their own king, they didn't know what they're asking for. Know, know this. When we consider ourselves king of our own lives, it's only a matter of time that will lead us to our own demise. Right? It will only be a matter of time. Saul became the first king of Israel. Guess what? Well, God blessed him. God blessed him. There was so much blessing that poured out. And and over time, but all of a sudden, his talent outpaced his character. Early success can be a detriment. You see that in athletes and actors and everybody. They outpace their character. And pretty soon, there's a, there's a collision that took place. And that's where we find in 1 Samuel 13, there's a moment that happens. And this is crucial moment for King Saul. They're, they're being pursued and, and they're, they're in, in war. You know, the arch rival was finding along and we're reading this of the Philistines, the enemy which surrounded them. And it says this, that Saul and the army were surrounded. It says, soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. When Israel's army was ready, realizing this, the Bible says all the troops were with him, with Saul, and were quaking in fear. There's this moment, they're surrounded. And and what what happened is some of them ran, some of them basically, they looked at Saul, okay, king, what's your call? What are you going to do? Well, what we read is that that Saul becomes disobedient. He does... In, in fear of the enemy, in fear of letting down his troops, and really probably fear of tarnishing his image, he becomes impatient, and he jumps the gun. He doesn't wait for the prophet Samuel to come. Because those days, as they look ahead, God, what do you want us to do? They would look to the prophet for direction. And part of the work that would do is they would offer a sacrifice 
for not only asking the Lord for the Lord's help, but direction and provision to do that. But this is what he said. He said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered the burnt offerings. What we find is this, when he had finished making the offering, imagine this, the smoke is still rolling, okay? And all of a sudden, Samuel, the prophet, shows up, and he's like, what in this going on here? You know, I'm smelling barbecue here. This is not good. This is not a good sweet savor to the Lord. And this is what he says. Samuel goes, what have you done? Saul replied, well, when I saw the men were scattering, now the Philistines were coming against me at Gilgal, and I had not sought the Lord's favor, so I, I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You acted foolishly, Samuel. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. If you had, you would establish your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. And here comes the ominous words. Here comes the fall of Saul that would haunt him to the day he dies. And the Lord sought a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of the people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Forty-two years ahead. Forty-two years ahead. We'll, we'll jump in. Forty-two years ahead, a house of cards will fall, and we'll look at that in the coming weeks. Here's a question. How about us? You're like, well, I don't need to rule a nation or anything, but who's ruling your life? Are you, are you the one ruling? Are you the one putting on the crown of the little kingdoms we have? Listen, I know we go through, when we make mistakes and there's consequences that happen to that, but know this, God is a God who forgives. God is a God who redeems. God is doing this work, but this is so important to keep this in mind. When we learn the lessons and we come to know this, because there's times when all oh, that never would happen. No, it, it can happen. It can happen when there's going to be failures and we mess up and we jump the gun and God, in our disobedience. But know this, true repentance is the only way to dethrone self and for the king to reign in our hearts. True repentance. Now, what's interesting what we find is this, is that when all this happened, it says that Saul, it says, he says, I've sinned. And we read that and go, okay, Saul did it. He, he repented. He really didn't do that. You could say you repent. You could say the words, Lord, I'm sorry, but you're not really meaning it with your life, are you? And that's really the case. If we're looking ahead, you're going to find a very unrepented man. What you're going to find ahead as we look in the weeks to come, you're going to find Saul that's not, not a good guy. He, he's not in a good place. And what we find is if you don't repent and dethrone yourself and put the king of kings on the throne and you continue to be on the throne and, and try to preserve the throne and preserve your kingdom and try to keep it for yourself, it is going to lead to your own demise. And that's what we find. What we led to this unrepentant life we see of Saul is this. He's, he's angry. He's jealous. He has malice. He, he actually enters in witchcraft, which leads him to manic depression. It becomes a backdrop for all that lives up in the struggle of the next king, the king that we're going to be looking at very closely here in the next few weeks. And what God ended up doing that very day is God declared a misdeal. And interesting, these words, and about, we're about ready to close here, is this. It says, until the day Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again, though Samuel mourned for him, 
And the Lord was grieved that he had made Saul king over Israel. Wow. Grieved. Regrets that are there. All because of a life lived that didn't dethrone himself as king. Let me ask this question. What kind of king do you want? What kind of king do you want? See, who rules in us is the one who reigns in us. I want to have you watch this a moment. And I want this, get this in your spirit today as you listen to this. Just let it do, let it stir within you the kingship of Jesus, our king and kings and the Lord of Lords. Our team's going to come and get ready as we close in song. But uh, is is this your king? This is the king. We'll close here. Says my king is the king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him, for yet he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah!
I love that. I wonder if you know him. I wonder if you, I, I wish I could describe him. I think that was a pretty amazing description. The question is, as silly as this looks, let's not do this. Let's not do this. This isn't working. Let's not be the king. At the end of the day, they, they wanted a king, but what they wanted a king is their, the king of themselves. We don't need a king made in our image. We want a king. Kings and Lord of Lords. And I think he is. Amen? Amen? Let's take the ground off. Let's leave it off. Let's give it to the Lord today. I want to invite you to stand as we pray. As you close your eyes and we pray here in a moment, I'm going to ask the question, do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know your king? Not from the, not from the, from the head, but 18 inches to the heart. Do you know him in your heart? Let's pray. God, if there's some here today that don't know you as king, that have not laid down their crown at your feet, have not given your life, their life to you, may they do that today. May they take a knee. May they we'll put the crown. Say, Lord, be Lord. Be king of my life. Rule and reign in me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. You're my king, Lord. God, I know many here today have already done that. And Lord, we just got to get in a better habit of laying down our crowns. Each and every day, Lord. Will you help us today? Lord, whatever the crown that we're holding right now, the crown on our head, the, the crown of worry, the crown of stress, the crown of fear, the, the, the crown of unforgiveness, the things that rule and reign, Lord, may we submit them to you, Jesus. But be Lord. We do not want to be Lord of ourselves. We lay our crowns before you, Jesus. Be the king. Be the king. Be the king of our hearts today. You are amazing, Lord. We love you. God, those who are here that just need prayer, continue to do the work you're doing in and through them, Lord. God, may you speak in and through those this week, God, as we venture in this journey to know you and grow in you to be our king, Lord. God, the king deeply in our hearts, Lord. May you rule and reign. And Lord, will you put people on our heart to be praying for it, to invite them into this, this season of opportunity, God, for your church and what you have, Lord. We not miss the moment to say, that's the king, our king, King Jesus. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna sing this last song together. If you like some prayer, say, I need to lay some things down. Lay it, lay it at the altar today. We've got a wonderful team to pray. Make sure on the way out, our, our team will be giving out books. Everybody gets a book if you want a book. Please take one. We've got plenty here today. Have a great morning.